Good morning. It's a beautiful Sunday in the old Pueblo, and you're listening to KTDT Tucson. Thank you for spending a part of your brunch hour with us on your downtown Tucson community-sponsored rock and roll radio station. This week, we speak with Olivia Miller, the interim director at the University of Arizona Museum of Art. We're going to hear the real-life story of an art heist that intrigued the world, and it took over 30 years to get the painting returned to Tucson. Today is November 6, 2022. My name is Tom Heath, and you are listening to Life Along the Streetcar. Each and every Sunday, our focus on social, cultural, and economic impacts in Tucson's urban core, and we shed light on hidden gems everyone should know about. From A Mountain to the University of Arizona, and all stops in between, you get the inside track right here on 99.1 FM, available for streaming at downtownradio.org, Also available on your iPhone or Android by using our very own Downtown Radio app. And, of course, if you want to get us here on the show, our email address is contact at lifealongthestreetcar.org. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. The uh, podcast, you can find that just about anywhere that you find your favorite podcasts. And if you want more information about our show or uh, our book or past episodes, you can head over to lifealongthestreetcar.org. Well, it is the fall. That means football season is uh, ramping up as we come to the final stretches and get ready for bowl predictions. And, of course, we have the Arizona Bowl here in Tucson. We've had the uh, director, Kim Adair, on the show a couple of times talking about its impact in the community as it relates to uh, various uh, charitable organizations and the the way they donate their their profits uh, back uh, into our community. Well, they just announced pre bowl. They just announced something last week that uh, the uh, Arizona Bowl is accepting applications for businesses in the area that have been impacted by COVID. They have set aside one million dollars, and they're going to do this uh, dole this out in grants up to fifty thousand dollars. So if you have a business that's been impacted during COVID, you can apply on their website. It's just, uh, you, can, you can just simply head over to the ArizonaBowl.com and then there's a, a link in there. This is happening very quickly. They announced it last week and their deadline for um, submissions is December 15th. So just a little over a month away, but head over to ArizonaBowl, I'm sorry, the ArizonaBowl.com if you uh, would like more information. Of course, we will always link to that from our Facebook page as well. Well, something else that happened in the fall back in uh, uh, 1985, I believe it was, day after Thanksgiving, a couple walked into the University of Arizona Museum of Art and they walked out with a a famous painting, de Kooning's Woman Ochre, and uh, disappeared. It's gone. It was found recently in the home of a deceased couple. Whether or not they were the same couple or not is still up for debate, although there's a lot of circumstantial evidence that would point to them. But we had Olivia Miller from the uh, University of Arizona Museum of Art on the show to kind of tell us the history of the museum and this fascinating story of Woman Ochre and how it's finally returned here to Tucson after over 30 years. We are here. We've got Olivia Miller on the phone today. We've got some exciting news coming out of the University of Arizona Museum of Art. Probably been seeing the news and hearing all kinds of good stories. Olivia, thank you for spending some time with us today. I know you're, you're quite busy with everything that's going on. 
Of course. Thank you so much for having me. So you are the the, the director of the Museum of Art. And you've, how long have you been with, with the museum? Yeah, so I've been with the museum for about 10 and a half years. Most of that time has been spent as the curator of this museum. But beginning this past July, I've now taken on um, the additional role of interim director. You know, it, it's such a wonderful place. And I've worked with my colleagues for, for many years now. And, um, you know, it's it's the best team to lead. So is, I'm lucky. is the curator position, director of curator, is that what it sounds like that you does help figure out who's coming to, to exhibit and, and how things get arranged? Um, yes. I mean, that that is definitely a big part of the job. Um, I like to think of us as a really collaborative museum. So certainly no exhibition is done in isolation. You know, we do try to work a lot with faculty and students. So I do a lot of co-curation as well. You know, another part of the curatorial job is certainly building the permanent collection. We are an actively collecting museum. So um, even if there are objects not going on view, um, you know, part of my job is to kind of think about what is it that we should be collecting for, for the future. Okay. And, and just to make sure everyone's, you know, fully aware of, of where you are, we, we have the Tucson Museum of Art. We have the Museum of Contemporary Art. Those are more located uh, in the downtown area, but you're on the university campus. That's correct. Yeah. So we are on the southeast corner of Park and Speedway. Um, we don't have a street front facade or we're a bit inside the campus. But yes, that is where we are located. And I, it, it's such a great environment to be in because not only does Tucson have the other two museums that you mentioned, which are both wonderful institutions, but the University of Arizona campus alone um, also has a number of collections here. University museums, I think, are really special just being on a campus with so many different paths of research and, and interdisciplinary opportunities for us. Well, and if, you, if you're visiting uh, the, the campus, walking over that whole area around you, you've got the Center for Creative Photography, the College of Architecture Planning and Landscape Architecture has this beautiful desert oasis. It's, it's a really kind of uh, surreal and serene scene and what, just you know, half a block off a of speedway. Yeah, yeah, it's really amazing. Public art is also an integral part of our campus. So even if you're strolling at a different end of campus, you'll still have an arts experience because there's more than 40 sculptures and public art spaces scattered around the campus. Can you tell us a little about the history? This is this has been a, a, a venture with the university for like 100 years, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean... Um, you know, I actually some of my my recent research has been focused on really trying to trace the the history of art exhibitions on this campus. Um, so far, I've been able to track them back and from 1912 is when I could see that there was an early art exhibition that happened on campus. Um, and it really snowballed from there, particularly in the 1920s when the art department um, was founded. There were a lot of student and faculty exhibitions. For our museum specifically, we can really see our our founding is kind of happening in during World War II, actually. In 1942, um, we were an art gallery at the University Library, which is currently the, the building for the Arizona State Museum. So we had a one-room gallery. Um, various types of exhibitions happened there. But 1942 was um, a really important year for us because that was when a University of Arizona alum who initially remained anonymous but ended up revealing his name as Charles Leonard Pfeiffer, he made a pledge to sell his stamp collection for $20,000 and to buy 100 contemporary American paintings. 
during the years 1942 to 1946, the gallery not only doubled as the war information room, actually, for the city of Tucson, but it also started to house a contemporary art collection. And from there, the museum developed and, and our collection began to grow. That's fascinating. So they, I mean, clearly you've got the history going back, but but uh, Charles Leonard Pfeiffer, he sold a stamp collection. That's how, that's sort of how you got your more official start. That's that's phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, the collection got big enough to where uh, the university knew that they really needed a more permanent building to house the art collection and the art department. And so the, the current building we're in opened in 1956. Can you tell us a little bit more about what we would see when we come to the museum outside of your current um, exhibition? Yeah, so I, I like to think that anytime you visit here, you know, you're going to see something new. You're going to leave learning a new name. Um, our museum has two floors, multiple galleries. Um, downstairs is where we usually show rotating exhibitions. Um, and those change from year to year. You know, currently we have a lot of our permanent collection as well as some loans on view. Um, but next year, for example, we'll be having a solo exhibition of a living artist, um, a Navajo weaver and painter named Marlo Catoni, who is also a UA alum. Every spring, we host the annual Master of Fine Arts thesis exhibition. So that is, you know, all of the students who are graduating with their masters and, you know, cutting edge contemporary art. So it really changes from year to year. You know, sometimes we're reflecting on current events. Sometimes we're responding to, you know, a partnership that, that we've developed with the faculty member. Um, so it really kind of changes. And then upstairs, um, we have permanent collection artwork that ranges in date from the 14th century to... Um, the year 2022. Is it part of your mission or, or is, is it just coincidental that you do have a lot of Arizona and, and University of Arizona alumni or is that part of what you're intentionally doing? Um, I would say it changes. Um, so definitely in our permanent collection, we have UA alum. We definitely have formal faculty represented in our collection. Um, we also understand that we, we have a responsibility to bring in artists that are not necessarily from Arizona. Just knowing that, you know, a lot of students who come here, this might be the first art museum experience that they have. And so we want them to leave not only having, you know, perhaps an understanding of more regional artists, but also knowing that there's a variety of artwork that, that they can experience and become attached to and connected to. It's also wonderful, you know, that the Tucson Museum of Art and MOCA are here in town because they have great relationships with local artists as well. And, you know, we, we try to not be repetitive while at the same time also serve as a place where we can interact with, with local and Arizona artists at large. We'll be back to the second half of our interview with Olivia Miller from the University of Arizona Museum of Art and really dig into this, uh, this tantalizing story of Woman Ochre, the painting that was stolen from the university in the 80s and after 30 years uh, showed up on the walls of a deceased couple and now after restoration is back at the University of Arizona. I want to remind you that you are listening to Life Along the Streetcar on Downtown Radio, 99.1 FM and available for streaming on downtownradio.org. This podcast is sponsored by the Mortgage Guidance Group and Nova Home Loans. If you enjoyed this podcast, keep listening or head over to lifealongthestreetcar.org for all of our past episodes, current events, and things to do while visiting Tucson. Tom Heath, NMLS number 182420. Nova, NMLS number 3087. BK number 0902429. Equal housing opportunity.
back and we're going to finish up the interview we have with Olivia Miller, the interim director at the University of Arizona Museum of Art. And we're going to hear this uh, amazing story of a painting taken from the university, missing for over 30 years and restored and returned now on display at the Museum of Art. You know, one of the reasons that started, you know, I've wanted to talk to you for, for a while and kind of the impetus for this call was sort of the, the sensational news that we're hearing about, uh, you know, the return of a, of a famous work back to the university and has had quite, a, quite an interesting life. Can you t- kind of share with us a little bit about that? Yes. So um, the artwork that you're referring to is uh, Willem de Kooning's Woman Ochre. So this was a painting that he started in 1954 and completed it in 1955. It was donated to our museum um, in 1958 by a man named Edward Gallagher Jr. I I won't get too far into his biography, but he's, he's a really interesting figure who was from Baltimore, but had a love for Arizona and decided that he wanted to build a memorial collection to honor the life of his only child, Edward Gallagher III, who had passed away at the age of 13. Hmm. And um, over the span of 20 years, he built this collection to about 200 works of art. And he specifically selected Woman Ochre to be part of this memorial collection and wanted it here in Tucson. It was in our collection for about three decades where it was exhibited here at the museum. It also traveled quite extensively to exhibitions, um, not only in the United States, but in various countries around the world. You know, it went to Belgium and Romania, it went to Brazil and Mexico. So it was um, a very well-known painting, not just locally, but also by, by curators internationally. The painting was stolen from the museum in 1985. Um, A man and a woman entered the museum. It was the day after Thanksgiving. It was a quiet day on campus. The museum was just opening up for the day. And quite honestly, there were existent security lapses that, you know, the director was well aware of. And um, it was definitely, it was a situation he was trying to fix. You know, there were no security cameras um, in the building and there just simply weren't enough security staff. So the museum was vulnerable. And when this couple entered the museum, the man um, went upstairs while the woman distracted the security monitor in the stairwell. In a very short time, you know, no more than 10 minutes, he was able to cut Woman Ochre from its frame and the couple abruptly left the museum. So at the time in 1985, the campus was much smaller. You could park along Olive Road, which is currently only a pedestrian and a bike path. Um, but back then you could drive on that road. And so they had a very quick getaway. There wasn't enough time to get a license plate. You know, it, it was a mystery for, for a little over three decades um, as to where Woman Ochre went. And, and the, you, you keep referring to the couple because although the, the painting has been recovered, we still, there's no concrete evidence as to who the actual thieves were. Is that, is that accurate? Yes, that is accurate. You know, the facts as we know them, it, is, it was stolen November 29th, 1985, and it was found hanging in the bedroom of a deceased couple, uh, Jerry and Rita Alter, who lived in Cliff, New Mexico. And so those are the facts as we know them. You know, there's certainly, you know, a lot of people would argue there's some circumstantial evidence that links the couple to the crime. Um, but as far as the FBI is concerned, you know, there's they're sticking to the facts. Understood, and it, so it was. It was found in in 2017. It's it's made its way back to the university, but it had to go through uh, kind of a restoration process. I'm assuming the painting was very very damaged when we recovered it. Um, much of that damage probably occurred during the theft. So apart from it having 
a 360 degree cut with, you know, probably a, a box cutter or some other blade. Um, it had also been peeled from its wax lined canvas. So just to backtrack slightly in 1974, the painting had been on loan in a traveling exhibition and it received a small puncture you know, some sort something happened during the art handling process where the painting got slightly damaged. It went to the Museum of Modern Art in New York where they reinforced the canvas by adhering it to a secondary canvas. So they essentially placed another canvas on the back and adhered them together with hot wax. When the thief was cutting through it, he didn't realize he was going to have to cut through not just one, but actually two canvases. And he didn't make the cut all the way through. And so instead, in his haste, he ended up peeling woman ochre from that secondary canvas. And that just caused an enormous amount of not just structural instability, but a lot of paint loss, paint cracking. And that was the bulk of the um, conservation treatment that had to be done. About um, two and a half years at the Getty Museum in Los Angeles, where it received... Um, the best possible treatment we ever could have imagined with the best team in the world. Um, very meticulous uh, conservation process. And then, yes, it came back to us in September and um, it just went on view at the beginning of this month. Uh, so we have a special exhibition that tells the full biography of this painting. So you can learn about the artist. You can learn about um, the donor, Edward Gallagher. You can see, you know, ephemera associated with the original theft, um, details about the recovery, and then a lot of information about the conservation treatment. So this special exhibition will be up through May 20th. After that time, the painting's actually going to go back upstairs and it's going to hang on the very same wall that it was stolen hmm. from. With maybe slightly more security standards. Uh, <laughs> yes, a lot, actually. <laughs> You've been with the museum then for, for a while. So in 2017, the news comes out and reaches the, the university what was the mood like? I mean, obviously it was elation, but I mean, can, do you remember that day? Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, because also, you know, I was here in 2015 when we held a 30th anniversary commemorative event. Um, and, you know, to be part of this process where in 2015, you know, we're, we're begging people, you know, keep your eye out for this painting. We still want it. We want it back. Um, and then to have it actually be rediscovered in 2017 is just, I mean, I, I, I will truly never get over it because it's really rare. It's really unbelievable. Um, and we've been able to meet all sorts of wonderful people as a result of it. So um, I will say it was very overwhelming. You know, we're, we're a small museum. <laughs> you know, we have nine um, full-time employees. And so to have this kind of international media attention, um, it, it was a lot, you know, at first, like very exciting, but also um you know, we, we were overwhelmed by it. Well, and I, and again, in researching for the interview, I completely had missed this when it came out and I'm, I'm going to track it down. But in October, um, as part of this celebration, there was a screening of a, of a documentary called The Thief Collector, which also in part tells the story of a woman, Ochre, and, but also I think I understand it goes well much more into depth of, of kind of the eccentricities of, of the couple where the wall, where it was found. Yes, yeah, so there is um, an independent crew that made the thief collector. Uh, the museum participated in that. You know, we we did interviews for the film and um, and we allowed them to film some reenactments here at the museum. And you're correct that the bulk of the film does focus on the couple 
and and that's where you'll find a lot of the circumstantial evidence that they they could have been the people who did it. You know, one of the most sort of damning pieces is that Jerry Alter wrote a book called The Cup and the Lip, which is a compilation of short stories that he described as, you know, based on real life experiences. And there are two stories in there that are about a museum theft, and they both bear similarities to our story. They're a really adventurous couple, traveled to more than 100 countries around the world. Um, it's not entirely clear how they were able to finance that lifestyle. Um, so they that film will definitely leave you... Um, entertained also um, with a lot of questions about who this couple actually was. Um, So it's still doing sort of the film festival circuit. It's not yet streaming, um, you know, on a major service just yet. I think the next film festival it will be at is in Naples, Florida. So you could definitely keep your eye out and try to catch it. So the, the the Museum of Art, tell us a little bit, real briefly as we wrap up here, the uh, you know hours of operation, costs, where do we get more information, how do we how do we participate and enjoy what you've put together there? Yes, we, w- we would love everybody to come and visit. Our hours are Tuesday through Saturday from 10 to 4.30. We do have an $8 admission charge, but we have a lot of free opportunities as well. So we offer a discount for seniors. Uh, we offer free admission to active military, anyone with a tribal ID, a SNAP card, anybody under 18, anybody who's a student anywhere at any university or community college. Um, And then you can also, if you frequent the library, you can check out a culture pass um, and that will give you free admission to the museum. And the best parking? Um, Actually, the garage at Park and Speedway um, on the north east corner of Park and Speedway. There's a parking garage and then you can just walk under the underpass. Well, Olivia Miller, the interim director and a curator of of I think something around 30 some exhibits at the university I can only imagine how busy you are with just your daily life let alone this uh, uh, moment of uh, excitement about uh, Woman Ochre and I really appreciate uh, you taking some time uh, to share with us today that was Olivia Miller she's with the University of Arizona Museum of Art uh, she's been there helped to curate uh, somewhere I think I think we just said 30, 30 shows that she has put together uh, the one on display now having to do with the famous painting, Woman Ochre, that was stolen and now returned. The uh, I, I loved what she said, that the, um, the exhibit will run and then Woman Ochre will be uh, returned to the wall from which it was taken over 30 years ago. My name is Tom Heath. You are listening to Life Along the Streetcar on Downtown Radio 99.1 FM and available for streaming on Downtown Radio. This podcast is sponsored by the Mortgage Guidance Group and Nova Home Loans. If you enjoyed this podcast, keep listening or head over to lifealongthestreetcar.org for all of our past episodes, current events, and things to do while visiting Tucson. Tom Heath, NMLS number 182420. Nova, NMLS number 3087. VK number 0902429. Equal housing opportunity. Head over to downtownradio.org if you want to check out all of our fabulous DJs. Uh, coming up next on the show, uh, or next on, on, on the station after our show, uh, it's Ted Prozelski with Words and Work as he talks about writers and members of the uh, labor movement here uh, in Tucson specifically. Uh, as you know, Sunday has a wide range 
of, uh, of show topics. Uh, Ty Logan, Heavy Mental, will take us at the uh, top of the hour and uh, back, into the, uh, back into the music at uh, 1 o'clock. And then tomorrow through Saturday, fantastic rock mixes. Uh, you know, shows like the Arizona 411 with all Arizona-made music. Uh, Brother Mock has the uh, club crawl so you can find out who's playing in Tucson and where they're playing, get a sampling of their music. Uh, Jim and Dave's roadside uh, stop there. They're, they're on Mondays, and uh, their their roadside uh, show is uh, t- really, it's, it's fairly new to the station, but doing really well, uh, very popular, good eclectic mix, and just fun guys to, to listen to as they're, they're uh, making their way through uh, this curated list of songs they provide for us on Monday. If there's ever anything on the show you want us to talk about, uh, email us, contact at lifelongthestreetcar.org. Uh, hit us up on Facebook, uh, Instagram. Uh, those ways are uh, probably the best to, uh, to get us to, to interact with these topics that you want us to cover. Talking to a lot of people lately, and this term of hidden gems just keeps coming up. Um, people are talking to Tucson about all these hidden gems, and I'm like, yep, know all about them. We're uncovering them one by one here on Life Along the Streetcar, and uh, also then showing them to you on the, the Tucson Trolley Tours. Hey, we got some cool shows coming up. Uh, a lot of our um, uh, downtown, uh, there's starting to be some life. If you watch the uh, Rio Nuevo meeting, Last week, big things coming for the Fox Theaters in uh, some of the other stores in the downtown area. Got to take some time for all that to happen, but there are some more immediate openings happening at the end of November and beginning of December, and we're going to talk about those in the upcoming weeks. Uh, we have uh, Ronnie Spies from Batch. Uh, his, uh, he and his wife, Kristen, own Batch. Whiskey and Donuts in downtown. They're expanding into the basements. Huge space there. That'll be uh, next week's show. They're going to be opening later in this uh, this month. And then we talk with Crystal Popoff. She is activating the space that used to be the proper restaurant on 5th and Congress. She's calling it the proper shops. Some more retail in the downtown area. A really cool gallery going in there, which I'm excited to share that with you as well later in the month. But that's due to open in December. So we're going to have her on the show uh, as we get towards the end of the month. And... Um, uh, talk about all those things that are upcoming, not just the the uh, uh, the commercial aspect of it, but the impact and the the reason why these people do what they do. Uh, and then uh, we've got a couple other cool things lined up. If you uh, ever have a, a hidden gem for us, as I said, contact at Lifelong Streetcar, hit us up on uh, Instagram, Facebook, and tell us what we should be telling the world. Uh, or the people that are listening, which, you know, they could be across the world. I, you know, we're internet-based station now. I mean, we're terrestrial radio, but we also have internet uh, access through downtownradio.org, and who knows where you're, you're listening. Uh, if anybody hears of the movie The Collector Thief, that when that comes out, please let me know. I can't find a release date or anything where it might be uh, streaming. I think it's still making the circuit, as Olivia Miller mentioned, through the... Um, uh, the festivals. So looking forward to that. But for obvious reasons, uh, I think this song will be pretty apparent why we selected it for you as we head out today. Um, this is a song uh, from 2015. The band is Hunted Horse. The, ba- the album is Every Burned Out Sky. And the song is Stolen Art. Hope you have a great week and tune in next Sunday for more Life Along the Streetcar. 
that stolen art hanging on your wall. Let's enjoy it while we can. Breaking free feels like such an impossible thing.